Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, by the bookers. Before we launch our season six debut, we have a big announcement to make. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, after many requests from you guys, our beloved listeners, we have finally done it. We have written a by the book book. Woohoo! Yes, it's called How to Be Fine. What we learned from living by the rules of 50 self-help books. It is available for pre-order now and it will be in stores in March 2020. For more information, visit the episode description in these show notes right here or just search for How to Be Fine by us, Kristen and Jolenta. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Kristen. Yeah, Jolenta. We have covered a lot of classic bestsellers here on By the Book. Oh, yes, we sure have. Um, the Secret, mm-hmm. Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Oof, yes. What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Yes, but I have a proposition. What if we didn't just cover classics from recent decades, a la The Secret, but classics from the past century? Oh, are you talking a retrospective on the self-help industry, a history of American values through what we want to improve in ourselves? Uh, I sure am. Oh, you know I like the sound of that. Oh, and what better place to start than in the 1930s, Kristen, with the granddaddy of self-help books by Dale Carnegie. Oh, girl, you don't need to win me over or influence me. Mm-hmm. I'm on board because I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And this is By the Book. Your life is going down the drain. You're in so much pain. You need some help. Self-help. 
In each episode of Buy the Book, we choose a different self-help book to live by, follow it to the letter, and weigh in on whether or not it actually changed our lives. And for this season, our sixth season, we are going to do it all through the lens of history. In each episode, we'll focus on a different decade and a self-help bestseller that defined that decade, reading and living by an original rather than an updated version of the book. That means in this and all episodes of this season, there may be some language that sounds dated. We're going to go in chronological order, beginning in the 1930s. And today, to represent the 1930s, we present How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Now, Dale Carnegie was a writer, public speaker, and self-improvement instructor. He was born in Missouri in 1888 and grew up on a struggling farm. Little Dale wasn't very athletic, but he longed to be popular like the jocks he went to school with. So, in order to gain friends, Carnegie honed his talking skills instead of his jocking skills by joining the debate team. Throughout high school and college, he won public speaking contests and became known as such a great orator that his classmates started paying him to teach them his ways. After college, he took a gig as a traveling salesman, tried being an actor in New York for a while, and served in the Army. And after all that, he returned to New York and started teaching public speaking classes for businessmen at a YMCA. His classes became so popular that after two years, he ended up founding his own institute, the Dale Carnegie Institute, and began publishing instructional books on the subjects of speaking and self-improvement in general. In 1936, after years of teaching and researching successful people, Carnegie wrote a book to distill his core teachings called How to Win Friends and Influence People. The book was and continues to be a huge bestseller. And it's considered to be one of the most influential, if not the most influential, self-help books of all time. In How to Win Friends and Influence People, Carnegie argues that we can all be more persuasive, get along better with people, excel in our business endeavors, and have happier families, not by taking classes at fancy universities, but by practicing basic human relation skills. At their core, these skills are about never criticizing, doing our best to make people feel important, and motivating people through their desires, not our own. And in practice, they're about understanding and enjoying people rather than trying to convince them that we're right. Here's how you do it. Step one, make people like you. Become genuinely interested in other people. Smile. Remember people's names. If you forget, apologize for not catching their name, then say their name as you talk to them. Be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves and their interests and enjoy learning from them. Be grateful for their company. Finally, make them feel important and do it sincerely. Step two, win people to your way of thinking. Begin conversations in a friendly way, starting from a place of agreement. Try to see things from the other man's point of view and show respect for his opinion even if he's wrong. Step three, change people without giving offense or rousing resentment. Begin with praise and honest appreciation. Call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Praise every improvement. Give the other person a fine reputation to live up to, saying things like, I can already tell you're going to be the best housekeeper I've ever had. Make the person happy about doing the thing you suggest. Step four, make your home life happier. Don't nag. Don't try to make your partner over. Don't criticize. Give honest appreciation. Bring flowers, remember anniversaries, and pay attention to the little things. 
Be courteous, treating your spouse with the same kindness you give to strangers. Read a good book on the sexual side of marriage, as sexual compatibility is best learned, planned, and discussed rather than left to chance. That's what the book says, and so that's what we did for two weeks straight. So, Joe Lenta, I am dying to know about your first week of living by How to Win Friends and Influence People. Let me tell you. First of all, reading this book was a trip. <laughs> it was a trip. I mean, I knew reading an old edition would involve dealing with some dated language, but I was not prepared for this level of dated. Here I am making Brad read a passage I found early on in the book that struck me as hilariously old-timey. This is just the introduction. Mm -hmm. So it's some guy writing about how Dale Carnegie, like, started uh, his thing. And Uh I just like that line right there. At the top? Yeah. A slave to no hard and fast rules. He has developed a course that is as real as the measles and twice as much fun. (laughs) Like, is twice as much fun as the measles even equal to regular fun? Two times zero is still zero. Zero, right? Yeah. I'm like, I feel like measles is like a negative one. I don't know, but I enjoyed that line. (laughs) Jolenta, I'm not going to say how I feel about everything in the book now, but I will at least second this point. Some of this was such a joy to read in kind of a historical context. Like, It was fascinating. What does that saying mean? It was was pretty fun. That's a thing that people read and be like, oh, shit, I got to take these glasses. Like, (laughs) what? No, but sure, okay. (laughs) Anywho, but uh, enough about the language. I just want to hear more about you actually living by this book. Yes. So uh, to start living by ye old Mr. Carnegie's advice, I decided to keep it in order. So I started with step one. This feels like the kind of book you have to do in order, I feel like. You know, it's very, very official and old-timey, right? (laughs) So that's the step called making people like you. Exactly. So while we were living by this book, you know, a very busy summer was winding down, and Brad, my husband, and I were in L.A. staying with his aunt and his little cousin while we were at my friend's wedding. Congrats, Melissa and Kenny. So— To make people like me, I wanted my 13-year-old cousin-in-law to like me. And I decided to practice listening with her because Dale Carnegie says it's an important part of making people like you. And I did this by listening to her tell me all about the eighth grade dance that she went to while we were there. Ooh, fascinating. Right? I want to hear all about this eighth grade dance. So... It was seriously fascinating. As a joke, I told her I wanted to take notes so I could really, really understand the social structures of the modern 13-year-old. And because she's awesome, she just ran with this joke and handed me a pencil and paper and started dictating notes to me. So after I consulted with her, I debriefed over the notes with Brad. Let's listen. Kids hang inside and outside. Caution tape is used to corral children like cattle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. Eighth graders only. Nice. What does that mean? It's just, it's not all middle schoolers, just the eighth graders. They're just about to go to high school. They have their own adult dance thing going on. Oh, you're right. I see. But they don't dance, according <laughs> yeah, to this next note. Right. Okay, so I asked how people danced, and she said, well, it's jumping, not dancing, unless you're, unless you're her friend who's on a dance team. B did not bust a move. She did not bust a move, but she does random stuff. So that was amazing. 
I had a blast, and I learned things from her that I think I would not have learned if I just sort of peppered her with questions about, like, what'd you do? Who did you dance with? Blah, blah, blah. I was just like, tell me about the night. What's it like when you get there? And then she just ran with it. That's so great. It's and, exactly what the book tells you yeah, to do. It was Ask some questions, fun. but, you know, let them do most of the talking. You were totally killing it on that one. Thank you. Thank you. So I think I made her like me. Nice. Um, And with that step under my belt, when we got back to New York, I got to doing step two. That is winning people over to your way of thinking. Right. So for that, I turned to something I'd been thinking about a lot, which was my smelly dog. Frank. Frank was stinky. You know, we've been busy. We've been out of town. Frank has stayed with some friends. His face especially has gotten smelly. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted some help washing said face and said dog because, you know, he doesn't make it an easy task. Mm -hmm. So uh, instead of just ordering Brad to do it as I normally would, I decided, you know, step two says you have to understand where the person's coming from and not make orders. So I asked him how he felt about the dog and his smell in general first. Why don't you want to give him a bath? I don't want to. What about it don't you want to do? It's too much work with him. Yeah. What makes him, what about it makes it too much work? I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm curious. I just want to like understand. I don't think he's too dirty. Uh, I think his face is stinky. You think he's stinky. Mm-hmm. But that means I have to give him a bath. No. Are you influencing me? No, I'm just trying to understand you better. I love you, and I want to understand what unruns you. Everything. <laughs> oh, Jolanta, I do like that you're using the language of the book throughout this, though. Yeah? I'm just trying to understand Did you, you. like that? I'm he was like, what are you doing you. to me? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> nothing sinister. <laughs> so what happened then? What happened? So I learned that Brad and I have different standards when it comes to how stinky we like our dog's face. Um, And so after I got his perspective, I I went back and thought for a bit, and I came up with a stinky dog solution, and I was going to get Brad to help me with it. But? What's what's this big pause? But? But it happened in week two. Oh, gosh. You're creating a cliffhanger. Oh, my God. That's a cliffhanger. Okay. Got it. Just running into season six, episode one, cliffhanger style. God, I don't know if you're winning me over with that. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's it's influencing your your interest levels, so. Oh, it is. It is. Can you please tell me about your first week of living by how to win friends and influence people? Because I'm very interested in that. <laughs> yes. So, like you, I began with step one. Nice. And that is make people like you. Easy. <laughs> Easy when you're Christian. I don't know about that, but I do like a lot of the instructions in this step. You know, I love smiling. Yeah, it's like smile, be <laughs> cheerful, like hum, like see the bright side, be yeah. Christian. Like I, it says be Christian in the book, and this book was written in 1936. <laughs> it doesn't say that, but no, it, it does say all these fun things to do. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to just like go in head first into this step one. And I was given the perfect opportunity to do it. I was invited to be on a panel with other women writers in the comedy space and went into this deciding I'm going to try to maybe win some free friends, but things didn't go quite as planned. Here I am talking about it afterward with my husband, Dean. So, how was the panel? 
Well, um, everybody else showed up about 10 minutes before we went on. Oh, okay. So for the 10 minutes when we were all in the green room together, I did my best to ask questions and get to know them. Uh-huh. I used each person's name, but I did flub one thing. Uh-oh. One of the panelists said to me, when she found out what I did for a living, uh-huh. she she's like, oh, Jensen Shero, have you lived by her book yet? She's my favorite. Do you love her too? And what I should have said, according to the book, is, oh, what do you like about her? I should have asked a question. Yeah. And so what I did instead is I said, oh, a lot of a lot of our listeners love her. And she's like, but do you like her? And then... Uh, now you're stuck. And then I should have just said, what other books do you like? Or change the subject. Mm-hmm. But instead I said... Not all of her ideas are really my cup of tea, but again, our listeners just love her. Gotcha. And then everything just went dead. (laughs) Oh, yes. Funny. I think it's funny, but no, yeah. According to the book, it should have been like, ooh, interesting. What do you like about her? Yeah, yeah. I should have done that. But how did the rest of the panel go? So we eventually got on stage, and when we were up there on stage, I really did my best. I did this thing that, I mean, you know, all panelists should do, but especially in the book, they talk about this. Like, you know, I would point to the other panelists and say, Karina, that's a great point. Just to piggyback off of what you were saying, in my experience, yada, yada, yada. Oh, you know what, Jen? I just love what you said there. In my experience, it was slightly different, but what you're saying is so true to so many of us who write books. And so Mm. I did that. And then afterward, I also thanked each person individually. And then um, not just in person, but I sent emails to each person. That, I think that's important as someone who performs and does stuff like that. I always really notice it when people do that. So did that work? Did you influence everyone? Are they your best friends? <laughs> well, I never was able to win back that one person who is a Jen Sincero super fan. Yeah, who you sort of backhand, uh, backhand offended a accidentally, little. Accidentally, yeah. But one of the panelists did actually write me back, and she asked if I wanted to meet up for a work date soon. Shut up. You love work dates I and accountability buddies. I know. So I think I actually made a friend. Oh, my God. Holy shit. You just made a friend. I know. I never make <laughs> friends when I do stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, she and I are meeting up this week um, for a work date. I'm super impressed. What did you do after that? How did you just take over the fucking world with <laughs> step two? Yeah, so step two, that's win people over to your way of thinking. And I'm curious about this one, Kristen, because for over a decade, you've essentially been a culture critic, you know, including on this show. You like to be skeptical. Your job is to judge, maybe poke holes in things, be a little critical. But this step requires that you start at a place of agreement. You don't always start there. No, no, I absolutely do not start there <laughs> usually. But I did give it my best shot. A few days after that book panel, mm-hmm. I was a guest on a podcast called Coming Back. And I was talking about losing my job last year and Fun. about staying motivated and about self-love. And at one point in the interview, I said something that the interviewer shall be questioned. Listen. <laughs> Isn't it RuPaul who says, if you don't love yourself, ain't nobody else going to. I'm going to take a second actually to, to push back just a smidge on no one else will love you until you love you. Because I saw I saw another uh, post that's been circulating online in a lot of mental health spaces about how we can do the work of loving ourselves intensely. But unless we feel like we're part of uh, a community or a chosen family or a friend group where we truly belong and feel loved and held in those spaces... It's, it's near impossible to cultivate self-love in an exterior space where you are told you are not loved or accepted or wanted. 
Ooh, Kristen, Shelby's giving you some pushback. So how did you show agreement with her when she was showing non-agreement with you? And did you win her over to your way of thinking? And are you two best friends? (laughs) Well, I have to be perfectly honest with you. My first instinct was to just talk in circles. As anyone's (laughs) would be, I think. But then I asked Shelby, hey, um, can I actually start my answer all over again? And she was super kind, and she let me, and this is what I said. You're right. You're right. And I should be careful about mindlessly rattling off like feel-good mantras like that. The truth is we all need and deserve the foundation of love. You're totally right about that. And it's really hard not to love ourselves without that. Um, but you know, I think the reason I sometimes do say things like that quote is just that for me, I know I became much more lovable when I began to do the work of actively loving myself. And I was way more fun to be around when I wasn't constantly telling myself I was garbage and putting myself down in front of other people all the time. I just know I then became easier to love. But all that being said, I'd like to reiterate just you are 100% right. We all need and deserve that foundation of love. Oh, snap. You just Dale Carnegie all over that interview. <laughs> oh my God. Like that is exactly what the book says you're supposed to do. You showed agreement and you also shared your story and you used what I would call some showmanship and what Dale Carnegie would definitely call some showmanship. And uh, how did that go over? Yeah. Um. You know what? It went over great. And at the end of the day, I think we both really, you know, liked each other and respected each other. And she wrote me later something so sweet, just thanking me for taking Mm -hmm. the interview so seriously. That's so great. It didn't sound like you were selling yourself out or anything. You were just sort of taking her point of view into account and then sort of uh, rephrasing it with her point of view melded in. It's great. You're two for two with winning all your friends and influencing all your people. And I cannot wait to hear about steps three and four. Well, you're going to have to wait after this break to hear it because, yeah, you know the way breaks go. No, I know. We have to take a break. And we have to (laughs) remind people that, hey, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Have you lived by how to win friends and influence people? Did it work for you? Do you like the book? Do you hate the book? Were you raised on the book? Have you taken a class from Dale Carnegie? Please tell us about that if you have. Hit us up on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash btbpod. You can email us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. And please, guys, we got to get on this. Let's start using that voicemail number. We want to play your responses. We don't want to have to read them. You guys are sick of our voices. I have vocal fry. <laughs> Leave us a voicemail with your experience or your thoughts at 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Okay, Jolenta, we talked about our first weeks of living by how to win friends and influence people. And now, of course, it's time to enter our week two experiences. And I am dying to know what happened with Frank. What happened with Brad? Did Brad wash Frank's face? Did you wash Frank's face? What happened here? Okay, so once I understood where he was coming from, a.k.a. he likes the dog's face smelly, (laughs) uh, I used Tep 2 some more, and I appealed to, you know, that good helping nature in him to get him to just sort of lend a hand and deal with the smelly dog problem. Because, you know, I knew he didn't want to straight up wash the dog. So listen to how I got help. Will you hold him a little still while I wipe his face? Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Smee. Like your little pee. Oh, there's so much poop crumbs on your bottom. Ew. Good thing I'm on your waist. Yeah, good thing you're on our bed and like slept on your daddy's pillow. Oh, this is disgusting. Thank you for helping me do this. This would be hard to do on my own. Oh, look at that. You you know what you're doing? Hmm. You're giving him a reputation to live up to. <gasps> oh my as gosh. somebody who is helpful. You're right? right. Yeah. And like we didn't give him a full bath, but I did end up not only wiping the smelly face, but then sort of working my way to the to the business end of the dog, mm-hmm. wiping a wiping a little peen and uh, wiping apparently a quite dirty bottom. Yes. So you did all of that, and like I said, you were dabbling just a little bit in step three in there too, with that yeah. giving him a just reputation. A hint, a just a hint. Just of a it. hint of it. Yeah. And I thanked him again and made sure he understood. Like it's because of him that this got done. Thank Yay. you. Yay! And then what did you do after that? So after that, I got to like. Full step three mode. Yes, that's changed people without giving offense or rousing resentment. Mm -hmm. So I had a chance to work on this about halfway through week two when Brad woke up with a very bad hangover. So he'd been out celebrating with some work friends. They had uh, one too many. Oh, I know that feeling. You know, let's just (laughs) say he woke up in a bad state. And uh, I'm going to be real with you. I'm glad he had a good time and got to celebrate with his team, but... Since he works nights, our mornings together are very important to our relationship. You know, that's when we touch base and hang out and, you know, watch Below Deck or 90 Day the Other Way. <laughs> you know, it's our together time. Yes, absolutely. And um, so I guess his hangover was probably ruining that or at yes. least infringing on it a little yes, bit. Yes, exactly. So part of me wanted very much to rip into him about being a more responsible drinker and not wasting our morning time together by hugging the toilet instead of me. <laughs> So I quelled that urge, because that apparently isn't how you win friends or influence people. And what did you say or do instead? I did this. So I know you're not feeling your best this morning. Yeah. Um, But I have to say, you did an amazing, amazing job taking care of the dog, even though you didn't feel good. Oh, thanks. Well, thank you. I wanted to go outside. I really appreciate you doing that chore, even when you're not feeling hot. 
Why are you being so nice to me this morning? Because I'm supposed to point out um, improvements, even when people make mistakes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're not super happy with last night, but you stayed responsible this morning, and I appreciate that. And sometimes I don't do that. Well, you being nice makes me want to be even more responsible. Oh, my God. Did I just win a friend? Or influence you? No. Ah! Influencing me. Oh, you influenced the hell out of him, Jolenta. That yeah. was seriously influential, what you did just there. Yeah. And uh, I felt like I, I made him feel nice. I made him feel appreciated. And it, like, did subtly let him know that, like, we could improve in this area, the hangover area. But also, I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And but, like, you're still a great guy. You do good shit. And I love you. It's not like you're in the bad book for me today, you yeah. know? And you gave him even further, more of a reputation to live up to uh, yeah, as the good guy. responsible hungover guy. Yes. Oh, love it. Love it. And what did you do after that? So after that, I started feeling kind of bad because I think you heard in that diary, he asked why I was being so nice. Uh, Which basically implies, like, my general state is less nice than that. And so I was like, let's do step four. Uh, Improve my home life and make sure he thinks I'm fucking nice. Like, (laughs) what did you do for that? So to do that, I just wanted him to know I appreciated him. And, you know, the book suggests flowers or, like, looking into sex stuff. And uh, I think I think our listeners might uh, know that I'm, I'm pretty well-versed in, in researching things about sex and whatnot. So I felt <laughs> like I had that area covered. But I was like, okay, I could get him a little ditty or something. And, and you know, I'm not going to do flowers like the book says. But— I had seen something a few weeks prior to living by the book that just screamed Brad and was like, "Uh, if I loved Brad and was nice, I'd get that for him. And I didn't. So then I was like, oh, I'll just go get that thing that reminded me of him a while ago and uh, let him know I love him. Oh, my God. I need to hear what this thing is. Uh, Let's just listen to the audio diary. I've been looking for a sweater just like this Uh for the last year. Uh I have gone through different stores. I have gone through different online services. I've done all these things. And then one day, the magic of you, mm-hmm. which I've always believed in, <laughs> just manages to find the exact perfect thing. Yay. It like reinforces my faith in like love. Oh man. In soulmates. Whoa. In like commercial America. Yeah. Just it, everything's how oh, your taste is shaped. It's all by coming together, baby. You. It's all happening. Wow, wow! I had no idea the sweater could mean so many things. Jolenta, uh, bought brought a sweater. Yes, you did, <laughs> and a soulmate. Yeah, the sweater that changed the world. Apparently. Oh my gosh, you are just killing it yeah. with this book. And oh that would have gosh. been a sick ass way to end week two. But then the next day, Brad surprised me really quick. By doing something he hates for me out of the blue and taking me to a scary movie. Ooh, so I asked he him. He does not like scary no, movies. No, he, he like vehemently hates them. They truly scare the shit out of him. They're a passion of mine, very much not a passion of his. And I was like, why did you do this for me? And this is what he said. Um, if you're scared, how come you wanted to go? Because... I think it's the type of scary movie that I can still survive 
and mm. I know you wanted to go to more in theater, so this is this is it. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited and scared. What are you scared of? I'm scared that I'm going to embarrass myself <laughs> by jumping and crying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think I'll still love you even if you do? Oh, yeah, you'll love me more. Yeah. That doesn't make me feel better. Okay. I want to not be an idiot. Okay. You'll be like, oh, he's so cute because he gets so nervous. I have to protect him. Yeah. And I'll be like, stop yelling that to the audience. <laughs> if I don't yell it, can I still put my arm around you? Yes, please do. Okay. Okay, so two things I have to say here. Number one, uh-huh. if you want to bring me with you guys to a scary movie, I will be the distraction where yeah. no one pays attention to Brad. Because you I get more scared? My, oh, I scream my head off. I I'm figure so you and here are similar audience members when it comes to this kind oh, of I'm stuff. Oh, I'm so you loud. You guys both get very invested and very scared. Yeah, and very loud in my case. So that's point one. And point two, this is like the perfect full circle. You gave the love and it came back to you. I know, right? Yeah. And did you hear me just fucking listening and understanding even more after I got a thing I wanted? Like, so I'm just never going to stop. I'm an influential friend winning fiend. Oh, hold on here. We're going to into Wait, verdict oh, material. Shit. No, uh, no, no. How did your week two go? <laughs> All right. So week two. Yes. I started with step four. Make your home life happier. Yes. And I'll admit here, Dean and I are very lucky. We, mm-hmm. we don't nag. We don't criticize. You live in a Hallmark movie, <laughs> like, before it gets scary <laughs> and dark in the good, sappy part. I know. <laughs> but that being said, I will admit I'm not super good about courting him. Mm. And so I decided to do just that, beginning with a surprise flower drop-off at his office. Oh, just like Dale says. <laughs> They're beautiful. Where'd you get them? Um, just at Hans Market up the street. Nice. Did I? I'm sorry. You were in the middle of some work, though. Did this do more to disrupt your day than enhance it? Not in the slightest. My day feels very um, enhanced. Is that the word you use? Are you sure? <laughs> Absolutely, sweetie. <laughs> no, this sorry. is wonderful. No, you were in the middle of something, but I really don't want to stay long. I can put those in a vase for you, and you can go back That's to okay. work. Okay, I couldn't find one. There'll be one up here somewhere. Do you feel like I'm courting you? Yes, very much. How exciting. You're never supposed to stop courting your spouse, you know? Oh, I do feel courted. They're beautiful. Oh, good. You're really, it's like sort of degrading yourself a little, but I can tell Dean is genuinely happy, even though you're worried about being a burden. Like, you can hear it in his voice. Like, he is very pleasantly surprised. He was in the middle of a meeting when I walked in. That's awesome. (laughs) What a court, right? Like, you held court to court him. (laughs) I gotta stop hanging out with you and saying things like this, but that was adorable. It was great. And then I have to say, much like you, Mm -hmm. the love came right back to me because a few days later, I had to leave for this business trip where I was going to two cities back to back. I remember and, hearing and about ev- that. Every day on that trip, he would send me a picture of the flowers or himself with the flowers to tell Shut me up. that he was thinking of me while That's I was on the so trip. That's so cute. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I think I need to tell you about step three. Right. Change people without giving offense or rousing resentment. Yes. You don't usually rouse resentment, but uh, how'd but, you work with this? Okay. So for this... I reached out to a podcast I love, and I'm not going to name the name of the show here, but one of the hosts gave an interview on another show a while back, and I felt that it wasn't living up to their intersectional feminist ideals. Mm -hmm. And I wrote to tell her that while also reiterating how much I love the show and how much I love all the work she does. And it was just this one thing. Right. So that's that's what Carnegie calls uh, what giving people a fine reputation to live up to. Yes, just like you did with Brad. Exactly. Yes. The hungover helper. <laughs> yes. And the thing is, you know, 
that host could have totally ignored the note I sent, and that would have been fine. Yeah, but, totally. But instead, she reached out to me immediately. She apologized. She said she felt horrible about that interview. And, you know, we commiserated. We talked about how sometimes interviews are really tough. And I told mm-hmm. her about, like, that interview I did the week before. Where, yeah, where you were like, this yeah, is crazy. Yeah, and it's really tough sometimes. And so... In the end, I feel like we left on a good note. She didn't feel like I was just trying to insult her. I was telling mm-hmm. her I loved what she did, but just this one thing wasn't quite living up to her standards. Yeah, I'd be like, I was surprised by that. And she's yeah. like, oh, I know. Like, this is so dumb sometimes. Like, let's be friends. But that's not all. What? Then, then I flew down to the first of my two conferences, uh-huh. the one that was in Atlanta, and she was there. No. Yes. And we hung out all night one night, and we drank, and we talked. You literally made a friend. We literally became friends. Her, her co-host, I love them. Now I feel like anytime I go to Atlanta, I want to hang out with them for the rest of my life. I am starting to get worried that you use this book just to make friends everywhere, and I only use this book to influence people. (laughs) (laughs) Side note. No, but we have both bases covered. Right, true. I mean, you're just like, I made another new friend. And I'm like, (laughs) wait, did I actually make any friends during this? No, but I got what I wanted out of people. Hmm. All right. Sorry. That's verdicty, but it just struck me. So hold on. You made friends, live in the dream. Then what? So um, after that trip to Atlanta for that conference, I mm-hmm. then moved on to Nashville for another conference where your kept, conference beast, <laughs> where I kept doing all of the things that Dale Carnegie told us to do. You know, I tried to make friends. Talk yeah, to everyone, yeah. I mean, questions. you're Dale Carnegieing twenty four seven. It sounds like. Oh this yes. Last week, but not just that. Uh-huh. I was also Dolly Partoning. What? Yes. Go on. When I was in Nashville for this conference, it just so happened that Dolly Parton was putting on her fiftieth anniversary concert at the Grand Ole Opry. And I decided to spring for a ticket. I'm so jealous. But this was a big deal for me because it's the only second time in my whole life that I've ever been to a concert by myself. And the first time, I left partway through. How did it go this time? Did you leave? So I have to admit, I was a little bit shy at first. And I know this is going to probably sound a little bit narrow-minded of me, Mm -hmm. but... I saw lots of Trump bumper stickers in the parking lot, and we all know Trump isn't a huge fan of people of color like me. Mm. And looking around, I saw no other people of color, and I was feeling like maybe I wasn't in a safe space. Yeah, that would probably make me nervous as well if I were you. So what did you do? Um, So, I mean, I was a little bit nervous at first, but you know what? Then I just tried to Dale Carnegie it. I just started talking to people, and I figured— We're all here because we love Dolly. And so I talked to other people about Dolly. How did it go? Listen. So is this your first time seeing Dolly? How many times have you seen Dolly? Never. First time. Oh, my God. You're so lucky. It's your first time seeing Dolly? Yep. I'm super excited. Yeah. This is the best first show you possibly could have chosen. So excited. Did you come in from out of town? Yep. Florida. St. Augustine. Oh, my gosh. You came all the way from Florida for this? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. Hold on. What's your name? Tammy Harold. Oh, my gosh. Tammy. I'm Kristen. Are you named after Tammy Wynette? I am. Hot damn. Oh my gosh, Dolly fans are the best. And I cannot believe of all the times to see Dolly, your first time seeing her at that anniversary show must have been fantastic. Tammy, you're living the dream. Oh yeah, and it didn't stop there. Tammy and I texted between every break because there were all these bands that first were warming up for Mm -hmm. her. And so between each act, we would text each other. So neither of us were really alone through the show. So it's like we had a friend there. Oh my God, you made another friend. (laughs) It was so fun. It was so fun. And it really was just like, 
one of the best Dolly experiences ever. It was so alone. great. Yeah, yeah I wasn't alone after all. Islands in the stream. <laughs> Together. Uh, yeah, I set out to get you like a fine tooth comb and I got you. Mm. All you new friends, whether you oh like it or not. Gosh. <laughs> uh. So that's how I ended my second week of living by the book. Well, that was a beautiful Dolly ending. Oh, it sure was. I love it. Um, and on that note, we're going to take another quick break, y'all. But first, a reminder, we love to hear from you. Don't forget that phone number we gave you, 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. Leave us a message. Tell us about your experience of living by how to win friends and influence people. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Okay, Kristen. Okay, Jolenta. We're here. <laughs> We're at the end of episode one, season six, How yes. to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes, and I am absolutely dying to know what your verdict is on this book. Did it change our lives? Did it make our lives better? Do we recommend it? Yes, you start. Ugh, Kristen, this is a hard one. This book was a wild read. I found it to be, you know, horrific and crazy entertaining at the same time. I'm just going to jump in here and remind listeners, we read the first edition yes, of the book. this is the point of the, like, historical reads. We get the oldest one we can. And, like, even though I expected it, again, the old-timiness, like, shockingly sexist and racist, this book. Shockingly. The word servant is used way too many times. Uh, one chapter opens with a story about Calvin Coolidge sexually harassing and then nagging a secretary. And then Carnegie praises him for his use of flattery to teach this girl a lesson about, like, grammar or some shit. And there's also a chapter that starts with a story about a CEO who started sucking at his job and being an asshole and was a tyrant. And, you know, to not further insult this dude's ego and fire him, uh, they just made up some consulting job and shuffled him into it. And Carnegie gives this as, like, an example of, like, how to flatter people into firing them. <laughs> and it's like, you guys, these are bad practices that we know now from, like, being open about horrible work experiences and, like, the Me Too movement taking off. Like, these things protect assholes and aren't necessarily good for anyone. But also... The interpersonal shit in this book about empathy and finding something to be, like, genuinely interested about in, with everyone you meet is great fucking advice. Yes. And living by this advice, like, truly made my life more enjoyable, made my interactions more enjoyable, made me, I feel like, more enjoyable and agreeable for the people around me without feeling like I was, like, selling my soul or selling out. But, like, can I recommend this book? I don't know. 
This guy is like the model for all of the douchey self-help people that have come after him and glorifies like nagging people and sort of an old boys club mentality of how business should work. But it also gave me really good interpersonal advice. So I'm like very fucking torn. How's that? All right. How about you? How do you feel? What is your verdict? Did it change your life? Make your life better? Do you recommend it? I adored this book. I loved, loved, loved this book. Fuck, do we read different books? Okay, I (laughs) smiled the whole time I was reading it. I loved how it was simultaneously old-timey and totally current. Mm -hmm. Like, you could see how every self-help book written since has taken all of their cues from Dale Carnegie. Oh, my God, it has the, like, the letters of, like, all this stuff was so amazing and, like, all the story examples. Yes, all of that. You could just see that. The structure is beautiful. Yeah, so historically speaking, it's such a fascinating read. And, yeah, I will totally agree with you. Some of the stuff is so heteronormative ableist oh my gosh can we just talk about like they mentioned like a cripple guy appreciates life more than a not crippled person i'm using his language when i say crippled person by the way um and you know some of the treatment of the genders it's just like women nag and like down dead bitch yeah so there's definitely problems there but you could also see he was trying really hard to be egalitarian in this. Right. Like, like half the examples of stories are women and half are men. Uh, he tries to mix in other ethnicities. Like he constantly is pointing to people from like China, from Ireland, yeah. from Russia, people from all over the world and why these principles like uh, work for everyone and why all of those people are also in his own way. He's kind of saying they're all people. And like they're- we're all the same. We all have wants. Yes. We all have desires. We all want to be understood and validated before we're like fully shut down. Yeah. And in a way that is like such a beautiful message of we're all humans and we deserve to be understood. Mm-hmm. And it's a joy to try and understand each other. Yeah. It's such a joy. And you're going to probably just like roll your eyes at this. Oh, I'm to- sure. But there were times I actually got misty reading this book because I felt there was so much love coming off the page because so much of this book is really saying walk through the world with love. There's so much to love in others and there's so much we can learn from each other and understand. And if we do that, then it'll be easier to make friends. It'll be easier to persuade anybody to do anything if we just approach everyone with love first. And I thought that was a beautiful message. I loved it. I loved it. And I mean, I'd say in my own experience, I, I didn't think it would happen, but I definitely made friends during this. I mean, you literally made a friend every five fucking minutes. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but it really no, it worked I mean, for me. It worked for you, for sure. I'm impressed. I'm impressed and surprised. <laughs> I think the moments where you got misty-eyed are the moments where I would write in the margin like, well, shit, that actually makes sense. I really like that. <laughs> so I guess I totally see what you mean. Good. Good. I'm definitely recommending this book. Definitely. And that's it for this episode of Buy the Book. Huge thanks to our fabulous production team at Stitcher, our producer Nora Ritchie, and our engineer Andy Christens. Thanks also to Nate Wyda, who composed our theme song, Jared Arnold, who produced this new season's version of the theme song, and our very own producer Nora for singing. Chris Bannon is our chief content officer, and Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Don't forget, like we've said a bunch, stay in touch. Let us know if you've read How to Win Friends and Influence People. Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Do you have any stories about influencing people? Just tell us stuff. And send any questions you have or suggestions for more books for us to live by. Our email address is kristenandjalenta at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at G at Kristen Meinzer, or at By the Book Pod. You can 
hit us up on Instagram, slide into our DMs at By the Book Pod. Also, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other people find the show. Kind of like when you're searching for a restaurant and there's a bunch of reviews for the restaurant. You know, you want to go to the restaurant with all the, you know, really great reviews. Not the one that has like zero reviews, right? You want to be like, oh, like eight people reviewed this or like a billion. You're like, a billion? Yeah, yeah. Be one of the billions who reviews our show. And of course, tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Krista Meinzer. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. That was fun. I cannot believe how many fucking friends you made. It was so fun. I really feel like it says, I feel like this is sort of the same thing as like, would you rather fly or be invisible? And I'd be like, invisible so I can be a monster and spy on people and manipulate things. And Chris would be like, fly to all my friends. Stitcher. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.